0: I think we all want a life with life in it. Amen? I mean, I want a life that has some spark to it. I want a life that has life in it. If it's always the same thing with really no high moments, then that is a pretty tough existence. And sadly, I will tell you, in some parts of the world, that's how people live by necessity. We in America are blessed to have opportunities to have some highs, but there are some people who live literally day by day to just survive. All of us have aspects of our own lives that can leave us feeling drained and maybe empty a little bit, a little lifeless. But if we get too much of the mundane life, we can kind of feel like our life is losing purpose. Why are we alive? We lose meaning. Some of us hunger for more. And some of us are hungering for that, that, that feeling of being alive, authentic living. We've been in this series now. This is the third week. It's called Kingdoms, Kingdom Come. And what we've been focusing in on on this series, this series is the fact that when Jesus came to the world, when Jesus became a human being and came to the world, that he didn't come empty-handed. He escorted in, brought with him the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus came to do. He brought to earth God's kingdom, and it is right here among us. I took a little bit of time the, the last couple of weeks to say we all live in the world and that's the kingdom of the world and we all live by its laws. Gravity is one of them. And we all live by the, the, the life about the same way. We have principles that we live by. It's our existence and that's, that's fine. We're a part of this world and we live in the kingdom of this world. And that's what we can see, sense, and, and very easily interact with. There is another kingdom and it's right here with us. And this is the kingdom that Jesus brought to us. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And brothers and sisters, it's right here. This is a kingdom of power. This is a kingdom... With a different sense of ecology, a different sense of economy, a different sense of values than the world's kingdoms. If you want to see the clash, of some of the clash between the kingdoms and values uh, in, in, the, in terms of value, go to Matthew chapter five, six, and seven and read what Jesus said. And and you know things like if someone strikes you on one side of your cheek, turn the other. That's not the world's views. That's a different kingdom, okay? And so Jesus brought with him a different kingdom. And it is most of the time, almost always, an invisible kingdom. But it is just as real. And brothers and sisters, again, just to illustrate it the way I I saw one preacher do it, it's right here. It's right next to you. It's part of the world that you were in. Jesus came to this world, and the kingdom has come. He brought his kingdom with him. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, you'll remember uh, the quote for that and the beautiful of his kingdom. um, The the increase of his kingdom will never end. It is an ever-expanding, powerful kingdom. One of the principles that Jesus taught was the principle of what we know as abundant or full life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that I might give you life and life to the full. I'll just say it for, for me. Sign me up for that, right? We, it's, uh, many preachers call it the abundant life principle. And it's not what some preachers preach. I'm not trying to sound unkind. It isn't make me rich And I claim a car and I get to have it. It's not that kind of theology. But it's talking about having life in your life, having purpose and joy, having a reason to live and having the access to tap in to supernatural power because of the kingdom that Jesus brought to this world. And folks, I don't think there's very many people who wouldn't want to have that kind of life. It is meaningful life, and it is a life where we feel alive. It's life abundantly, where it's overflowing. Well, how's that happen? How does that become part of my existence? And if you bear with me for a little bit, I want us to get there by way of what may feel like a circuitous route. I'm going to take you to something that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter 7. I want to read from verses 13 through 23. So you can follow along on the screen. If you have your Bibles, please open them there so that you can see all of the context. This is Jesus speaking to a large crowd of people. And he said, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into a fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not, this is what I want you to catch. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's an obvious conundrum in this passage of Scripture and what Jesus will one day tell people at the judgment. I never knew you, he will say. Well, wait a minute. Jesus is God, and he knows everything about each one of us. Pastor Ken, you will, you have always been telling us that he was present the day that I was conceived. He was present in the womb of my mother and that he knit me together. You, you've told us that. That's that's certainly found in Psalm 139. How then can Jesus ever tell anyone, I never knew you, if he completely knows me and he knit me together and he, he fashioned me and created me? How can he say that to people who have prophesied in his name, dr- driven out demons and performances, miracles. These are people who, it looks like anyway, work powerfully in the name of Jesus. And so, for the to the best of my ability, I want to give you an answer to this seeming contradiction. And I believe it will all hinge on one word. And that word, for me, is intimacy. Intimacy. I would like to make some statements for you to chew on this morning. And I'm going to teach you, I hope, teach a a kingdom principle. The kingdom that is already here, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. I want to teach you a principle. And this is, to me, maybe the most vital principle of the kingdom of heaven. First statement I want to make is this. God wants intimacy with me. I was created to know him. And for him to know me, it is in my DNA. I submit to you that authentic life, life with real life, is lived only through intimacy with our creator. Let's think again, as we have before, all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, and that's the story of God creating human beings. And you will remember that according to the Bible, okay, this is not a parable to me. I, I just might as well qualify and tell you, I believe every word, ...of the Scriptures, and I believe it happened the way the Bible says it happened. So I do believe that God created one man and one woman... ...and they were on the earth for quite a long time in a paradise called Eden... It was a beautiful garden. It had no curse upon it. It was a gorgeous place, and it was, a, it was an existence for them that was incredible. Okay, The Bible tells us that, that they lived in a place that was without any kind of scourge or curse. They had bodies that, that were, as far as human bodies could possibly be, they were perfect bodies. They didn't get weary the way we get weary. They didn't get sick. They, they didn't experience the, the things. And as far as I can understand, they weren't aging. So they had these, these, these great bodies that worked for them. They didn't wake up with aches and pains and things like that. And I don't know how long this existence lasted, but here was the most powerful thing about their existence. They had intimacy with God because every day God would appear and he would walk with them and talk with them. Let me stop for a second and tell you that's huge. That's gigantic. It's I can't wrap my mind fully around this because we're talking about the God who is so big. He fills the expanse of the universe. He breathes stars out with a word. We're talking about the Almighty One. Just to be in His presence is an amazing, humbling, astounding thing. Every day, God came to this paradise called Eden. And every day, like a father to their His children was Adam and Eve, and he's he's having intimate uh, conversation with them. I think it is one of the most incredible experiences that any human being has ever felt, and I don't think any human has had that level of sense. I really don't. God himself was there. He showed up. They saw his form. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if he towered above them or if he shrunk himself down. I don't know. I just know that God came to them. And they heard his voice, the same voice that said, let there be. And boom, light appeared. Let there be and stars and planets, that powerful voice. And every day they got to intimately talk to God, look him in the eye. I don't know what they talked about, but please don't, please don't come to me and say, I think that would be boring because you don't know God if you think that's boring. I'm not trying to sound unkind to you, but your image of God, you shrunk him way down because God is, I think, I think when I get to finally lay my eyes on God, I think I'll... Stare at him for 10,000 years, and every moment of that 10,000 years, we'll discover something else. We'll see something else that's greater about him. I think just being in his presence is going to be everything. And so every day, human beings walks in this garden, and God is there, and he's loving on them. I think they laughed. I think they shared things back and forth. I think he revealed more and more of himself to them. And I think it was an incredible existence for them. They didn't have to work for their food. They didn't have to worry about anything. And every day they meet with God. What an incredible thing. And I believe that that's how God intended for humans to exist, to have that kind of intimacy with him. I believe we are still created for intimacy with God. Now, you know men messed it up, okay? You know that happened. But I'm saying that we're still born with this. You hear people sometimes, and I, I still, I'm going to harken back for a little while to my young, younger days. And I heard preachers talking, and I heard these kind of words. Every human being has a, 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 a hole in their lives, and it's a vacuum, and it can only be filled with God. And people attempt to fill this thing, this emptiness in their lives. Their lives have no meaning and no purpose because they don't have a relationship with God. And so they'll attempt to fill it with various things. Sometimes substances are involved in it. Sometimes, uh, lifestyle decisions are involved in it. But they try to, to, to fill this longing that, that only God can fill. It helps me bolster the argument that you and I were created with a purpose in mind to have intimacy with our Creator. God wants that with you. You may have listened, if you were listening to the, the testimonies today, especially I heard Bill referring to it a couple of times, how, how the Lord was how the Lord was present and both Bill and and um Come on, Steve. There it is. Both Bill and Steve said that that everything was hinging on Christ and, and relating to Christ. And that's where peace came and that's where healing came. And I'm saying to you that human beings, according to the Bible, are created with this need to have intimacy with the Lord. You've heard it nauseam how God created people with a free will. And many have wondered why. My wife and I were having a conversation we like to take walks together and it's good i call it exercising the fat man and we were on a, one of our walks and and um darlene hates when i say that i'm in trouble now <laughs> anybody want to have lunch with me cuz i don't think <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but in on our walk darlene and i were discussing you know god knows everything and god knew pre, he pre has pre-knowledge of every human being. The Bible was very clear about that. And this is an astounding thought to me. God creates people that he knows will reject him. God creates people with the knowledge that although he opens his arms and invites them in to have fellowship with him, they will reject him. Why would he make people with free will? And I just, my way of explaining it is, is, is this. I want friends who want to be my friends, right? Okay, I have a lot of friends in this congregation. I'll pick on Mark for a minute. He's my friend, okay? And one of the reasons why I'm Mark's friend is because I know he wants to be my friend. If I tried to be his friend and he didn't want to be my friend, it wouldn't be too much of a relationship. I need for him to want to be my friend in order for me to have friendship with with him. God wants you to want the intimacy that he offers to you. Time and time again, you see Jesus standing up publicly, spreading his arms out like this and saying, come to me, anyone. And I love that about him. Whoever will, God doesn't look at anything except the fact that you're a human being and he invites you to come into his embrace and he invites you to come into the kingdom. He brought the kingdom of heaven here for you. He brought it so that you can have a relationship with God. That's one of the most powerful aspects of the kingdom that has come to us. And Jesus stood and he used the word that translates, the best thing that we can translate it in is a word that says, whosoever will. And he doesn't check you at the door. He doesn't say, oh, wait a minute, are you the right sex? Are you the right height? Are you the right culture? Are you the right ethnicity? No. You're a human being. I created you. Come and have intimacy with me. Have a relationship with me. You're built that way. I'm going to move on because we, you know, I just preach too long if I don't. Intimacy is essential from God's perspective. Intimacy is essential from God's perspective. People will be turned away from the judgment because they lack it. It will never be enough to merely know who he is. One must know him and belong to him and he must know us. That's What God, what Jesus is talking about when he said, I never knew you. Of course, he knows who you are. Of course, he's aware of who you are. But what he wants is a relationship where you learn of one another, if you will. He knows you, but he wants to know your heart is for him. He wants to know your love is for him, and he invites you to be in his kingdom. But he's not going to push you in there. He's not going to force you in there. He invites you to be there. In other words, a person has to develop a 24-7 relationship with Jesus if they are to enter into heaven. It is not enough. Listen to me. This all means more than just one day praying, Oh, yeah, God, forgive all my sin. And then going back to the life that we went to before. No, if we're going to have intimacy with him, we change what we are doing, and we let go of that to have him. And I love what Bill said, because Bill's been a Christian, oh, maybe two or three days now. And what, I love what he said when he talked about how it gets bigger and better as he grew in the Lord, and he just, Jesus gets better. It gets better, and that comes out of intimacy. I don't know how Darlene has stayed married to me for 40 years but she has, and it's gotten better. I'm not trying to say it's perfect yet. I'm sure it isn't, but I will tell you that it's better than it was 40 years ago. Lydia and Dylan, you just wait. It's going to get even better than it is today, okay? That's going to happen, and it comes because we, we take time to be together. We take time to talk to one another. I'm interested in her. She's, she's interested in me. (laughs) Yeah. So, so all of that builds into something that makes it better. And if that's true in a human relationship, how much greater can it be when we take interest in the Lord God and we seek after him and we go after him and we have intimacy between us? That's how we're built. There are several instances in the Bible where a phrase like, do not be deceived, appears in Scripture. And certainly the people at judgment, you you have to think they were the epitome of being deceived. They they thought they were right with God, and they thought that they had done God's work. They taught about them. It's not not good enough to know about them and know how to teach about them. You have to know them. He has to know you. It's not good enough to, I don't know whether they actually, it just says that they said this, that we, we healed people. We, we trusted, we prayed and they were healed. It, it could be, it could be. I don't know if that happened or not. God knows. It's not good enough to drive out demons, whether they did or not. If you don't know Christ, what a deception for them. They thought everything was great, and they were basing it on what they did and not on their knowledge of Jesus. Listen, do you know him? Do you recognize his voice when he speaks to you in your heart? Do you know what Jesus wants of you because you seek him and have intimacy with him? Do you know when he's moving you? That's how you can can know that you are right with God. Let me suggest some things to you. I'm trying to be kind here. This is rough, okay? I'm just going to buckle up, okay? But I'm going to say this. Let me suggest to you that if you think of and refer to Jesus as the man upstairs, if that is your attitude to him, then I think it's a clear sign that you lack real intimacy because Jesus is far more than the man upstairs. He's far more than your best friend. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the God of glory. If you have seared your conscience again and again by deliberately, repeating, repeatedly committing sins that you know the Bible says is sin, and you rationalize it away and say, God understands, that's a clear sign that you don't know God the way you need to know him and that he doesn't know you the way he needs to know you. But if that's easy for you to do, that's a clear sign. You have an issue, spiritually speaking. If you have little or no appetite for his word, it's a clear sign that you lack intimacy. If you have little or no appetite to worship him, listen to me. That's why, for me, I don't want to go through a worship service. I, and listen, I'm stepping all over myself. I'll finish one thought and then go to the next. Uh, when I come to church and I come, come to worship God, I never want to be guilty of just going through the motions. I don't want to just sing songs. I can sing anywhere I want to sing. I love to sing, by the way. I can sing. I don't come here to sing. I come here to worship the Lord God. And if it's nothing to you, and and there's when when worship is happening, you eh, if your attitude toward it is no big deal, and I'm just going to wait until the songs are over, if that's your attitude then I'm just going to say that that's a sign that maybe you lack intimacy with the Creator. Because you can connect to the Lord if you know how. If you learn Him. And He will He will minister to your heart. It's such an important thing for us to remember. The second thing I was going to say, um, please don't get all caught up in style and get all caught up in in the talent level or lack thereof. Listen, I can go into almost any church and if there's genuine worship going up, whatever the songs are. If they are beautiful hymns, I love hymns, and I will worship to the beautiful hymns. If they are high church and it's organs, pipe organs and all that, not my favorite style, but I can worship. If, if, you, got, if you break out into a, a, a powerful chorus of and can it be, I'm there. I'm getting blessed with that. But let me tell you, I, I can rock southern gospel. I can rock a modern worship. As long as it's worship, I'm good. And I'm just trying to say, folks, let's not get that caught up in all of that. Okay? Let's just worship the Lord. Let's come in with an attitude of praise and be ready to do it. Okay, that was free and it wasn't in my notes. (laughs) Finally, true intimacy with God highlights what's important. Highlights what's important. Howard Rutledge, a United States Air Force pilot, was shot down over North Vietnam very early in the early stages of the war at Vietnam. And he spent several miserable years in the hands of captors before he was finally released at the war's conclusion. It was misery for him. In his book, a book he wrote called In the Presence of Mine Enemies, he reflects on the inner resources from which he drew in those arduous days where life seemed intolerable to him. I'm quoting him directly here now. During those longer periods of enforced reflection, it became so much easier to separate the important from the trivial and the worthwhile from the waste. For example, in the past, I usually worked and played very hard on Sundays, and I had no time to go to church. For my wife, Phyllis, uh, I'm sorry, for years, my wife, Phyllis, had encouraged me to join the family at church. She never nagged. And never scolded. She just kept hoping. But I was too busy. Too preoccupied to spend one or two short hours a week. Thinking about really important things. Now the sights and sounds and smells of death are all around me. And my hunger for spiritual food soon outdid my hunger for a good steak. Now I wanted to know about that part of me that will never die. Now... I wanted to talk about God and Christ and the church. But in heartbreak, which was the name the POWs gave their prison camp, solitary confinement, there was no pastor and no Sunday school teacher and no Bible and no hymn book, no community of believers to guide and sustain me. I had completely neglected my, the spiritual dimension of my life, and it took prison to show me how empty life is without God. A couple weeks ago, we recorded a Sunday school lesson in here. We don't normally record our Sunday school lessons, but we did a couple weeks ago, as Amy Sigley stood before the Sunday school class that she had last taught prior to that about nine and a half months. Amy had a, a an injury. Uh, she had a shelf come off the wall and struck her in the head, And it caused her to have a severe concussion. And she was physically unable to teach Sunday school. She was our adult Sunday school teacher. And she had such a severe concussion that it almost completely debilitated her. She couldn't remember anything. She couldn't come into church and retain anything that she had heard when I preached. As much as she has prior to the concussion told me she loves my preaching. She was incapacitated. She couldn't read because she couldn't read. She lost all of her ability to understand the words in front of her, so she was unable. She couldn't focus. She was dizzy, and just this whole myriad of symptoms. And for Amy, her capacity to worship God, to be intimate with God, she couldn't pray because she couldn't concentrate. Her prayers were two or three words, and that was all she could get out. And it was all taken away from her, and it broke her heart because Amy is a worshiper, Amy is a God-lover, and she loves her intimacy with Christ. Christ was good in it all, and, and she's experiencing improvement and healing by God's grace, but there was a point where she was told, you might not get any better than this. And I, I, spent, I'm, I spent a second to say, we're going to post this, okay, this on, on our website some way or maybe in, in one of our, uh, where we archive our sermons. And I want you to look it up and I want you to listen to this lesson because it might give you a little appreciation for the ability you have to have intimacy with your creator. To God, it was important. To God, it is important. And it's why Jesus came. He brought the kingdom of God to us so that we can have intimacy with God again. God calls us there, but we must go there. We must respond through obedience and be willing to meet with him in a place of solitude sometimes and in in public meetings. Would meeting with the Lord alone appeal to you? Let me ask you this question, okay? And I'm I'm moving as quickly as I can here. But if suddenly you, you knew for a fact Somehow God gave you a message and, and the Lord Jesus Christ told you, listen, I'm going to physically show up at this location and I want a meeting with you. I'd like to start meeting with you regularly physically at this location. Um, would you like that? Because I'm going to tell you something. Here's how I am. I wouldn't care what was on my schedule. It would get moved. If Jesus ever shows up and says, Ken, I'm going to come to the gospel chapel in the sanctuary and I, I want to sit down and talk to you face to face, whatever it takes, I'm going. I'm, if it's my anniversary, I'm going to kiss my wife and come here. Okay. I'm going to do whatever it takes because there's, there's no one that I want to be with more than I want to be with him. And intimacy is so meaningful. And folks, what I'm trying to say to you in a loving way is we have that opportunity to meet with God. He's very real, very present if we will just do it. We can have that intimacy. He will step up to you lying on a hospital gurney about to have open heart surgery and give you peace. He will step up to you lying on a hospital gurney in agony and give you healing. That's Jesus. That's intimacy that he wants to have for you. Do you know his voice? Do you recognize his spirit speaking to you? Do you understand his passions? Do you know what lights him up and what's important to him? Do you seek opportunities to be close to him? Is it more like a duty or obligation to you? I think if I have been a Christian for any period of time, I should know God. I really do. I close with this statement. I'll make it quickly, uh, Quick. quick. This is a statement. I am most alive when I'm intimate with Jesus. I have had moments in my life, and Andrew, you can come forward. I've had moments in my life where I've been in public settings, uh, services in churches, uh, sometimes camp. One time it was a pastor's, um, uh, the Promise Keeper Pastor's event in Atlanta, Georgia, in in the Georgia Dome. I have been in services like that where God just showed up. Okay. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever had intimacy with God like this. I've been in a room when, and, and and suddenly the presence of the Lord just seemed like God stepped right into the room like he was there. And this is a big God, folks. And the only way I know how to describe this to you, this is what it felt like. It felt like God came in and I became aware and then like he kept coming. And more of God came. And he stuffed himself into the place. And every time, instinctively, when God has come like that, what I've wanted to do and what I've done most of the time, fall flat on my face and lay on the floor because his majesty is in the room. And it's what happens to me. I'm just talking to you. And and I I sense his presence. There have been times when He has shown up and I was just overjoyed because God was good. And I've been known to run. Just run and praise God. I've been known to shout. I've been known to jump up and down. But but most of the time in those cases, what I what happens to me is I shut up and I worship. I just get low. I've been alone with the Lord. I, I remember one in particular on a mountainside. I was there and I looked out at this, this beautiful gorge up in... In, um, um, I forget the name of the county anyway it's called World's End State Park up that way and and there was this place where I stood I, from my vantage point it looked like God had just drug his finger through the dirt and created this beautiful gorge and I stood in awe of him I looked up at the vast sky and I don't know how else to say it God showed up it was just him and I and I fell on my face before him and I worshipped him and there have been times when God has come in such a powerful way. I have said to him, I'm not sure I can live through more of you <laughs> right now, God. That's how I felt, so much of his presence. And I just am sharing this to tell you, there's not a moment I can speak to you about in my life where I feel more alive than when I'm in God's presence like that. Okay, I love him. And I'm built to worship him And as I said, there will be a day, God willing, by God's grace, I'll leave this body behind, this imperfect body, and I'll look at him. And I don't know. I doubt it's going to happen this way. This is what I envision. I envision running to him and throwing my arms around whatever I can grab and just lay there praising I love him. And it is when I feel the most alive is when I have closeness with Him. Here's something I know. For whatever reasons that I can't understand, God's desire for me is to call me son. I get to be His son. And He is my heavenly Father. And I love Him. I know that. There's a kingdom principle. It took me all this time to get here. Do you want to feel alive? Know Jesus and let Him know you open your life to him and let him have absolute access give him control of your life let him show you how to order your steps you will have experiences like I'm talking about there will be times when God is just going to just rock your world he's just going to do it it's what he does and when you are just your mouth is wide open and you are amazed at this big old God I could talk on and on, I'm going to stop. I'm going to ask you, are you, do you have this? Does Can Jesus look at you and say, I know you? At judgment, will he smile and say, oh, yeah, I know you? Come on in. Come on in. Enjoy the joys that I've prepared for you. I know you. We have this relationship. I, as far as I know, I've never audibly heard his voice, but I think I know it because I know Him. I know Jesus. Heads are bowed for just a few moments. Is there somebody here who would say to me, you know what, Pastor Ken? I don't have that. But I sure am ready to. I'd like to have that. I'd like to be close. I'd like to have Him know me and I want to know Him. I don't have it now. But I'm willing to raise my hand and say, Pastor Ken, more importantly, Jesus, I want that from you. I want that relationship with you. I want to be close. Thank you for raising your hand. Are there others? Thank you for raising your hand. Yeah, I want that. That's exactly what I want. This message, Pastor Ken, God gave it to you for me. Amen. Are there any Christians here who say, you know what, Pastor Ken, I know I know him, and I know he knows me. But I still needed this message. I I want you to pray for me this week. Thank you. Thank you. With God's help, I will. Father, thank you for your grace and your blessing and the privilege of knowing you. I pray, Lord God, that you will continue to work in our lives and draw us near to you, Lord. And I thank you for your presence. It was kind of, it was very unusual service in that regard, Lord, in the way that we did things. But uh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for all that was said and done. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.